Welcome to TFL's Capital Connection. I'm Chuck Hurley, Vice President of the Family Leader, and with me are a couple of young rock stars. <laughs> Becca, go ahead. My name's Rebecca Olson. I am Policy Specialist here at the Family Leader, so excited to take on that role and have a fun time this session. And you do like rock music, I found I out. I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you conservative rocker, you. <laughs> and Ryan? Yeah, I'm Ryan Ben. I'm the new director of policy here with the Family Leader, and I uh, just got started. And uh, really happy to be here. It's been it's been a lot of fun so far. So. It's your first week, and you're already directing policy. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so speaking of policy, we heard a policy speech from our governor Tuesday night. We were all there present. And Rebecca, why don't you share one of the really really big items from governor's. Governor Reynolds' speech. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the big things that the governor mentioned was her expansion of the MOMS program here in Iowa. Um, the more options for maternal support passed last year, and it gave $500,000 to help support pregnancy centers and other pregnancy resource centers or um, even a maternity home here in Iowa um, just grow um, and be there for moms. And so she announced the expansion of that program requesting $2 million in the legislature. So the dream is to get that. So here's praying that we do. (laughs) So Becca, you testified on that mom's bill last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell our audience what some of the things you said or what, why we think this is a great idea? Yeah, absolutely. Um, As, as a young mother, whether it doesn't, in fact, it doesn't matter what age you are. As a mother at all, you're in a very critical time of your life deciding whether or not I can financially afford this child, whether or not you have family support. Um, and to know that there are centers and organizations out there that can help you is huge. Um, so with the program, that money um, is out there. For, they can use it for marketing. They can use it for diapers, um, anything to help these moms during that time of crisis in their life. And it goes even from beyond the point of birth to up to two years that these centers and organizations are involved in these mothers' lives. And it's relationships for years down the road, and it's life-changing. So I'm going to ask you a snarky conservative question. Why is the government getting involved in these wonderful private organizations that have been in existence, some of them, for 40-plus years? Yeah, absolutely. So the program is set up where the centers don't have to accept the funding. They put in requests for it, and it is a reimbursement um, that they receive. So they will file with the state saying, hey, we've spent X amount of dollars on diapers or counseling, and we'd like to be reimbursed for that. So the money then comes through there. There are no strings attached. It's um, existed in other states. Um, Our um, specific mom's program is... Modeled after Texas, um, Georgia has it, Minnesota has it. I want to say there's around 20 other states. There's about 20 states um, and, that this program exists. And 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 let me let me pontificate just for a moment. The reason I support it is because for decades since the Nixon administration, we taxpayers have been sending boatloads. I mean, into the multi billions now, maybe over a trillion, to Planned Parenthood and their ilk. Mm-hmm promoting abortion and that sort of thing. And so Iowa, just a few years ago, under some great conservative Christian leadership, has now said no to forcing we Iowa taxpayers to send money to abortionists and are saying yes to trying to help those who have created alternatives to abortion to thrive. And so while this isn't meant to create dependency on the government uh, by these pregnancy resource centers, 
it's meant really to, to encourage them, applaud mm-hmm. them, uh, help some amount in times of, uh, you know, thin budgets. But really, one of the things you and I, Becca, talked with the director of the Moms Program about the other day was maybe the state can just help coach and mentor and show some leadership training so that these uh, pregnancy resource centers can thrive even better on their own. Obviously, $2 million isn't enough for a state of 3.2 million people. There's, what, 50 of these centers around Iowa, roughly? Yep, roughly 50. Yeah. And so this is a drop in the bucket, but it's a it's a here, here. It's a, it's a good job. Keep it up. We want to encourage you. And we're not just anti-abortion around here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. We're pro-life, and we want to help those women who are in some crisis. Yeah, so it makes some it. sense, right? It does, yeah. Okay, good. Um, you know, one of the best things about the governor's speech that I heard and that we heard, Danny Carroll and I heard from the governor's uh, health policy advisor uh, last week, is that she's going to focus on fatherhood. You know, these girls aren't pregnant by themselves. There's fatherhood mm-hmm. issues. And so the governor was very adamant that uh, the Iowa culture, including the political culture, but especially the more, you know, uh, spiritual and moral culture of our state, really needs to figure out this fatherhood thing better. And so she's planning, with the help of some of her uh, best advisors, to try to strengthen fatherhood and reduce unwanted pregnancies in the mm-hmm. first place and then have fathers step up and take responsibility when they do get women pregnant. Absolutely. So that was really, to me, cool. I've been spouting fatherhood for 40 years, literally, that Mm -hmm. that there's a crisis of fatherhood. In fact, the biggest crisis in the prisons, which I was on the parole board, and I went into all the prisons of Iowa, and the prisons are jam-packed. The crisis in prisons, the crisis in our culture, is uh, feral children, kids born into homes without dads. I mean, that's just a crisis. And so I was really thrilled to hear her address sort of a root issue. Mm -hmm. And I know I've talked to our friend Greg Baker and his team about this. And uh, we think there's an opportunity for the family leader to come alongside the governor and her people and really emphasize marriage and fatherhood. Yeah, one of the cool things I would add, Chuck, is with this, um, the moms believe in addressing fatherhood. A lot of our pregnancy centers have recognized that same issue and have expanded their programs to involve um, reaching those fathers. They've got male counselors on staff now that are there to help guide them and, and, and hope walk that road with them. So it's really, really cool to hear the governor say that, knowing that the same thing's already happening in some of our centers here in the state. Amen. So Ryan, um, you're a policy director. Uh, you and I talked this week at length about some of the policies that could save some lives in Iowa, one of which is uh, a bill that um, might help women decide to reverse their abortion regime when it, when a woman takes a pill to start the process of abortion, which, by the way, over half of abortions now are by pill instead of surgically. So this is a big honking issue. Uh, share a little bit with our audience about uh, abortion pill reversal and how yeah. the governor highlighted that in right. her speech. Yes, yeah, I was just going to mention that. The governor uh, brought a woman in, I believe her name was Sarah, um, who had several kids and uh, several kids with her during the speech. And he uh, told the story of how this woman was uh, planning to get an abortion, uh, took the first pill, and after that had some major regrets. And apparently she knew about this abortion pill reversal option. Um, and she took it and, and 
the child lived, and he was there at the speech that day. So that it was, was really, really neat, really okay. heartwarming. Even I mean, um, even people who aren't uh, supporters of life like we are, we're standing up and clapping for um, for that family, and um, to see that child there was really special. So I would w one bill that we'd like to uh, maybe have the legislature consider this year would be uh, something that uh, requires informed consent. So when um, these moms get these abortion pills, they know that. You know, if they have regrets afterwards, there's something they can do potentially to help um, save their child's life. Um, yeah, and some other states choice. have passed that. Yeah, definitely. Some other states have passed that. There was a bill last year, actually, um, in our legislator. Uh, it was put forth. It, it didn't end up passing, but we'd like to see that. Um, we'd like to see it get there this year. So. Yeah, so the governor said very explicitly during her wonderful speech that she wants to de defend and protect and help every Iowan, including unborn children. So that was very gratifying. And we at the family leader want to help her and the legislature do that. So just to uh, then land this plane on this podcast, really the biggest issue looming before the legislature this week, next week, probably the following week, uh, is school choice. And so, uh, Rebecca, you've been homeschooled. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. All and 18 years. All? All 18 years. All 18. And Ryan, how about you? Yep. What's your experience yep, with, with was, alternatives to public school? I was uh, home educated for four years. And yeah, so I, I was homeschooled for four years. I went, I've been to my private school as well in college, and so I've, I've seen it all. Okay. Yep. And, and how old is your oldest child? Yeah, my oldest is six, and he started homeschooling last year. There we're, you go. We're planning to do that with the rest of them. So, so my wife and I homeschooled uh, nine of our ten kids most of the time. We, we're very eclectic. We've had pr uh, private school and and all that stuff. But uh, one of the main reasons I ran for the legislature in 1988 was because homeschooling was illegal in Iowa, and a pastor wow. had been jailed mm -hmm. in Mount Pleasant over Easter for homeschooling his kids who were academically thriving, doing really, really well, and morally, they were, they were upright children. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed really weird to, pastor, to, to, to imprison somebody, a, a pastor, who's doing a good job with his own kids. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the reason I challenged my representative, was he thought it was okay that that pastor and his wife were put in jail. So um, fast forward three years, uh, my first year in the legislature, we voted to legalize homeschooling. We were the next to the last state in the country to do that. Well, now we've got another revolution coming in alternatives to the public school regime. I like to call it a monopoly. It's a near monopoly. It is a monopoly for middle and, and, and low-income families. They don't have a choice. Uh, unless they can get a scholarship. And so school choice is something the governor ran on this last year. She tried the year before to get the legislature to pass a school choice bill. The Senate passed it, the House didn't. So she got involved in nine House Republican primary races. And the family leader got involved in six of those. And praise God, we have some very, very pro-school choice mm -hmm. legislators now. But why... Is the family leader in support of school choice? Why is the governor so in support and, and passionate about school choice? What, what, what do you think, you young folk? I've got my opinions, but I want to hear from you. Well, it would give uh, 
ton of opportunity to a lot of um, kids who, right now, as you're saying, don't have the opportunity to go to a good school. I'll, I'm going to call out Des Moines. I went to Des Moines public schools for a while. There's some not very good schools in Des Moines, and there's a lot of families who can't afford to do anything. Um, you know, if you're a single mom, got several kids, I mean, how are you, homeschooling is practically impossible. I can't afford public school. Um, so it would be really great to have uh, those parents be able to decide, you know, for themselves what's best for their kids and, and have a different choice. So are you saying, Ryan, that children are different, that some sc- children thrive in a different setting than the one-size-fits-all government school? Yeah, yeah, I, I am saying that, Chuck. <laughs> I am. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I, would, I might even go further and say that a, lo- a lot, most children would thrive <laughs> in a setting outside the government school, but, um, but definitely, definitely some, and that should be the parents' choice. I mean, they, know, they know the kids best. Well, um, you think parents might know better than the experts at the Capitol? I do think that. <laughs> I, do. Okay. I, I like your snarky questions. <laughs> Becca, what do you think? Oh, I'm right there with Ryan. I mean, my parents tailored my education differently than they did some of my other siblings. Um, the classes that I focused in were focused more on the degree path that I wanted to take. I knew I wanted to go into business and eventually ended up in business administration. But my mother and father were very careful to make sure, okay, what's your interest? Let's invest in that. Let's okay. help you grow and learn. And not to say... Yeah, I took a lot of classes that I thought were useless as a kid. Um, but they have actually actually been beneficial. Um, okay. So thanks, Mom. Appreciate that. Yeah. But every kid is different. I didn't do the same things that some of my brothers did. My younger sister is doing different things than what I did. Yeah. Um, it's all about the child and the par- parents do know. Parents and, do and know best, don't they? Yeah. So there is no utopia. There is no perfect plan. This bill will not... Uh, bring about, you know, some, some uh, you know, perfect society. There's going to be parents who don't choose well. Mm-hmm. But overall, our philosophy at the Family Leader, and I think in the United States of America for over 200 years, has been that parents are primarily responsible for the upbringing and education of their own children. Absolutely. And so let's empower more parents. I will briefly share with you why I'm passionate about this and why it's one of the reasons I ran for the legislature and I'm still involved at the Capitol. My wife and I have 10 living children, and we've had 15 foster children. Ten of those were long-term foster children. So we have seen every angle of education online recently, um, public with some of our, uh, well, yeah, with some of, with some of our foster kids, they were in the public schools for quite a while. Um, homeschool, private school, uh, tutoring, and so my wife and I can testify from personal experience of thirty-seven years of of parenting those those ten kids and fifteen foster kids that they're dramatically different. And so, uh, it, this bill won't help me, but I, it'll help hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of families in the future. So we're really excited about it. Um, If you have questions, uh, dear listener, on why school choice is such a good thing, uh, you can go to our website, thefamilyleader.com. You can Google uh, benefits of school choice. You can uh, get up to speed on this pretty quickly because there's been research since 1955 on the benefits of school choice. It's an idea whose time has come. It's now come to Iowa, and it's all the rage at the Capitol. Mm-hmm. We, I just testified 
yesterday in a subcommittee meeting, and it's loud and it's raucous and it's packed, and the public school monopolists do not want their monopoly broken. Monopolists love to monopolize, and they will not give that up easily. So any observations from you two, and then we're going to wrap this up with an action step. Yeah, the public, public schools are definitely going to fight hard uh, against this bill. I was watching a segment on KCCI last night, and um, it was actually about this school choice bill. Um, if I didn't know that going into, into it, I might not have known at all because it was kind of uh, all uh, – they presented it as if the whole thing was about whether or not we're going to fund uh, public schools or, or if we're going to take that money and fund private schools. It's like they're acting like it's a funny battle um, as opposed to a um, – an issue of you know choice and freedom. Um, that's one of the things. It's it's kind of deceptive as well because this um, this bill, yes, it allows parents to use money that was going to go to the public school to go to the school of their choice, but it actually provides an extra. I think it's about fifteen hundred dollars um, to the public school that for that child, even though the child is not even there. So their per pupil amount of money they have is actually going to go up. Go, it's going to go up. It's, it's called, it's, uh, for, for decades it's been called phantom students. The state government has sent money even though the kids aren't there. And so, yeah, it's not even fair, but it's way better. This bill is way better than it's been oh, yeah. for the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. It gets closer to fair. Speaking of fair, when I testified yesterday, I mentioned that my wife and I have been taxpayers in Iowa for about 40 years. And we've been paying taxes to send other people's kids to public school, but we've been paying out of our own pocket for our kids and really had to scrape to do that. And so this system would make it a little more fair for the taxpayer, for Mm -hmm. the parent. Um, And so anyway, uh, we strongly urge you listeners to take action. And now, because this bill is going to be decided in the next few days, it's on a fast track. It's got the votes in the Senate. It's got the governor's uh, for sure signature if it comes in the form that it's in now. It's her main idea that she ran on. But the House is close. The House, we've got several wavering House members. We need 51 votes. We think we're right in the upper 40s right now. So we would strongly urge you to go to our website, thefamilyleader.com, and take about four or five minutes and send a heartfelt email to your paid employees, i.e. your representatives, and urge them to give more parents more options because kids matter, kids are different. So thank you for tuning in. God bless you. And uh, let's go work hard for the future of Iowa's children. Let's give them more options. And let's get this bill passed in the next few days. I'm Chuck Hurley, Vice President of the Family Leader, here with Becca Olson, Policy Analyst, and Ryan Ben, Director of Policy. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time on TFL's Capital Connection. This podcast is a project of the Family Leader and the Family Leader Foundation and is only possible through the generous support of our donors. If you would like to partner with us in our work, please visit thefamilyleader.com slash donate.